Good morning, church. Um, My name is Shannon. I've been here at Moran Park for the past about six years. Um, I started attending here when I was a student at Hope, and then I served on staff for a season in 2018 and into 2019. And then for the past two years, I've worked over at Positive Options as the Holland Director. Um, And then for the past year and a half, also um, the director of an annual day of prayer that happens on behalf of the unborn every October. But in spite of all of that, my heart is really just for the church. And so for the past six years, no matter what my vocational context has looked like, um, I've gotten to invest deeply into just what the Lord is doing here in his church in West Michigan, and specifically in Holland and even here at Moran Park. And so this morning, I kind of wanted to start us off um, in the book of Joshua. Um, Several years ago, while I was still at Hope, Josh Rumsa, many of us know him, he preached a sermon here on setting up altars of remembrance. And he talked about how in the Old Testament, after significant points of provision and deliverance, God's people would often set up these physical markers to remind themselves of what the Lord had done um, so that they wouldn't become forgetful, right? We oftentimes become very forgetful of what he's brought us from as we anticipate what he's bringing us into. And, uh, And so Josh shared this message and his encouragement for us that day was that we would have a similar practice of remembering what the Lord has done and calling to mind his faithfulness. And so I want to open us this morning um, out of Joshua chapter 4, but to set some context here. So Joshua picks up where Moses leaves off, right? So Moses doesn't actually make it all the way into the promised land. He passes away before that's able to happen, Uh, but he sees it from a distance. And then the Lord raises up Joshua, and he says, be strong and courageous. You're going to settle the people in the land. You're going to keep carrying them to the land that I've promised. And a few interesting things happen in the first few chapters of Joshua, but in chapter 3, one of the things that happens is they cross the Jordan River on dry ground. So similar to how the Lord had parted the Red Sea back in the Exodus account when they were first leaving Egypt, now he's parting waters again as they're first entering into the land. And so that happens in chapter 3, and then in chapter 4, the Lord tells Joshua to set memorial stones. And so this is uh, verses 19 through 24. And I have CSB, so it might read a little different than the screen. But it says, The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. It was a few years after Josh preached that sermon. Some of you guys might remember that in 2019 we had lots and lots of snow days. And uh, I was on staff here at the time, and on one particular snow day, we decided to have a movie in the afternoon here in the auditorium for all the stir-crazy kids who were at home. And, uh, and so we were having this movie, and Josh was over in the cafe, and we got to talking, and I said, Josh, did you ever make a connection between uh, the God's people in the Old Testament setting up altars of remembrance and the fact that we are now called living stones? In Second Peter 1, it says that we are now living stones being built into a spiritual house to offer sacrifices pleasing to the Lord. And so we got into a conversation that day about uh, how we now get to testify to the Lord's faithfulness in our lives, that we're the ones that get to call to mind and boast in what he's done. And so a few weeks ago, when the elders asked if I would share this morning, um, I prayed about what the Lord might have for me to say, and pretty quickly it was just share the story of Moran Park, share the story of the church in Holland, and boast. And as we're at um, this moment, of, we've been through a lot of transition over the past few years. We're at a pivotal moment in um, just our history as a congregation. Um, and as we anticipate where he's taking us, that we would also take a minute to remember what he's brought us from and to go back over some of that together. So for some of us, it might be completely new information. Maybe you've only been at Moran Park for two weeks. Others of us might have been here for 12 years. Regardless, all of us can fix our minds back on the faithfulness of God and worship him for that this morning. So in the spirit of building an altar of remembrance, I have asked some other living stones to share with me this morning. So Stacy Wikes and Neil Karsten, if uh, you would join me. Yeah. yeah. 
So how to introduce these two, I don't really know, but um, we'll kind of get, <laughs> we'll get into more of their stories as we go, um, but just to kind of start us off, so Stacy has been here longer than really anybody. Um, oh yeah, so your mic is here, that one's Stacy's, and then Neil, this one's yours. Yeah. Um, so Stacy's been here, oh, but now I'm caught. Let's see here. Okay. Um, Stacy came over when Moran Park was just a baby little church plant from Ridgepoint back in 2009 and was pretty quickly hired in as staff, as ministry coordinator, and then later became director of discipleship. Um, and then earlier this year stepped down, and we'll talk more about that this morning. And then Neil has never officially been a part of Moran Park, but relationally he's kind of always been just a part of the church in Holland with all of us. Um, so his relationships to Moran Park predate Moran Park existing as well. Um, and he and Britton met at Western Seminary and have been running together ever since. And as well as many others of us have known Neil for a very long time too. So I'm going to kind of start us off this morning in the year 2013. So Moran was four years old as a church plant. And Britton was a young pastor here. And Neil was pastoring on the north side at Harlem Reformed. And uh, just questions started arising based upon what they were both seeing in their churches, and Stacy too, um, was here at the time and part of that. And so if you guys could just share a little bit about what you were seeing and the questions that you started asking um, about the church. I can start. Um, and so I, I remember that very specifically because, yeah, I, I was pastoring at a different church. Britain was here and such. And he and I had met when we were in seminary together and our hearts were just knit together, the things that the Lord was doing in both of us. And so we'd get together and we'd go and we'd have coffee together. And the thing that was, um, that was stirring us um, a ton was as we would read the word, we would feel like, man, what we're reading in the word doesn't seem to match up exactly with what we're experiencing in our churches. And so there's like this, uh, this uh, resonance within us and we'd get together and we'd be like, man, I'm reading this here and yet on our Sunday mornings and what we're experiencing at, at church, even in the midst of really good things going on, of just really feeling like, is this truly matching up? And so for us then, what we ended up doing is we just theorized, what, what do we do about this? What does this look like? And um, our, our first thought was, well, it, it says in the scriptures that they met from house to house, and it seems like there was a priesthood of all believers, and there was all hands on deck, and there were the gifts of the Spirit being worked through all different people. And so we were like, we have to do house church. And so we had no clue what we were doing, but we just said, hey, let's come together at our house. Let's just bring a few families together, and let's say, let's just go try this kind of on the side. And then the wife's were a part of that. There were a couple of others who are part of that, but really we had no clue what we were doing or even the journeying that we were beginning to head down. It all just started from that place of like reading the word and feeling like what we're seeing in there, yes, there's good things happening over here, but are we seeing the fullness of what we truly see when we read the word? Yeah, and from our perspective, our family jumped in there pretty early too and it was just we so we were literally in a room full of uh, seminary graduates in our family so <laughs> and we are not that's seminary. the worst room to be in ever literally <laughs> the worst and so the first I think the first week or two we came it was just like I mean they were having these discussions and we're like we do not know what you are talking about like you are talking way over our heads we're going back to church in the big building and so we ended up giving that feedback, like, really quickly. It was just like, hey, you guys, this is, like, this is not working for us. We don't even know what you're talking about. We feel so lost in these conversations. And really quickly, we were able to just kind of engage in that and change, right? Like, it's so easy to change in a smaller group. <laughs> and en engage in our gifts and bring what we had to the table, whereas here on a Sunday, I couldn't always do that. And... Um, that was the same time that the Lord was really just starting to um, move in the gift of prophecy for me. I was learning that, and it was such a great um, vehicle for me to be able to walk in that and try it and learn. 
Um, and we did so much ministry in those early days. It was so fun. Yeah. I don't know how much detail you want us to go into. Yeah. So, cu so cut well, us off at any point if it's... I think one thing that could be really helpful is, you know, you're saying that things were not lining up to the word. What specifically was not lining up that you were noticing? I think, I mean, um, I, I truly think it's things that Britain's probably been just sharing and talking mm -hmm. about for the past while. But it's, it's those aspects of like, man, we see in the word that there truly is the priesthood of all believers. Like you need the, the growth and the, the membership of all those and the giftings being utilized and not the dependence on just a few uh, paid professionals who are going to go and do the majority of the work, but instead like this cohesiveness as not just something we come and do in an organiz organization we're a part of, but instead of truly being a family committed unto one another in learning then to see the Holy Spirit just infused, working, breathing, to be willing to sacrifice, to endure really hard things, to, to persist through those things rather than when it gets hard, hey, let's jump ship and go over here. Um, the list could go on and on, mm -hmm. but I think actually, you know, Britain's voice for the past couple of years as I've heard and such has been speaking into some of those things. Mm -hmm. um, one little like funny thing as you're, as you're talking about that was after we kind of dabbled with that for just a little bit, then all of a sudden we're like, hey, this is good. Let's start inviting people. And the joke then was all of a sudden before we knew it, we had like 60 people in our living room. And um, we ended up starting what we now jokingly call a mega house church. <laughs> and uh, so, and those were honestly, those were still some really beautiful times. Uh, we saw God doing powerful things. Um, we saw people getting touched. We saw demons getting cast out in our living room. We saw people getting healed of stuff. We saw people who were down and out getting to do laundry while we were worshiping together. All sorts of beautiful things. But even in that, as those numbers, so to say, grew in our living room, we realized still, man, we're not doing the best job of actually making disciples. This is still becoming kind of like an event, so to say, that people still come to instead of an equipping and a disciple making that people can go live into outside of that arena. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the big things, Neil, too, in those earliest days, and just to clarify, too, this wasn't even like officially Moran Park at this point. This no. was just believers gathering in the city, and many of them happened to be also attending Moran Park, but not all of them. Um, but this wasn't yet Moran Park. Um, but one of the things kind of on that note about just like the brand and the banner of a name, um, that was something the Lord really put on your heart, Neil. And so if you could talk a little bit about what you did with the burlap bags. And uh, Max, we have a photo if you could show that um, this morning. Man, this takes but us way back for me. Um, this is 2014. So a, a while ago, this was a, a long time ago, yeah, there was, um, this was, yeah, while I was still a pastor, we were just beginning to flirt with this house church stuff, as we called it at the time, but this was just kind of like a, a word that was laid on my heart of one Lord, one church, of us throughout the city, what does it look like for us actually to honor that, that we would have one Lord, that we would be one church, um, and then in gathering other pastors together, we'd go to the JQ99 station and pray over there and all sorts of things, um, but of really just crying out. Um, not on the behalf of an organization or on behalf of a church, but just on behalf of the city of just saying, please, Lord, let us honor this. Let us, please be our Lord according to your ways, not according to our ways, according to your ways. And please, Lord, make us one, like John 17, um, make us one. And so this went on for a little bit. I think throughout the area, there were like 65 churches or so that participated in that. I got to paint way too many of those burlap sacks like that in my garage. Um, and there probably was an easier way to do it. I never figured it out, though. <laughs> but um, and there were things that were really beautiful about that. Truthfully, though, um, I, I don't even know if I've ever shared this with you, but um, a big reason that that didn't continue on was because I felt like people were gravitating way more towards the side of one church and not wanting to live into the side of having one Lord as much. I could talk a lot about that. That's a whole different discussion. But um, I felt like when we don't take Jesus as Lord according to his word, we sacrifice so much in order to just come together and sing kumbaya with one another. 
And that's some of what I felt like we were mm-hmm. seeing. And that's kind of why that all of a sudden, it, it just didn't continue on its own. Mm-hmm. So after those first few years of just kind of trying these things out relationally, and of course the Smiths were a part of that too during that time, um, Neil ended up leaving his position as a pastor over at Harlem Reform to kind of just pursue simple church in the city and disciple making full time, um, not just here in West Michigan, but supporting work that's happening around the nation and around the world as well. Um, but then Britain felt called to stay here at Moran, and then the question became, okay, we've had these several years of, of really kind of pursuing what it means to be the church in a more family-oriented way outside of the, the service in the building. How do we bring that to Moran Park? And so maybe, Stacy, you could talk a little bit about uh, the next season and what was tried here. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, so we as a, I don't even know what you would call it at that time, group. Yeah. <laughs> um, just were really pumped about what the Lord was doing and what we were seeing and what we were experiencing. And so we wanted to bring it to the church. And so that was also the same time that I transitioned out of admin into the discipleship, whatever role. And so then that kind of became my job. How are we going to bring this to the church? And so we did house church well, actually, we started with Discipleship Fundamentals, um, just like, hey, how do you make a disciple? How do you pour into the few? How do you um, pour into someone that's then going to pour into someone and not just be a bunch of dead ends? Um, so actually, Neil and I mm-hmm. and Britton did those trainings for, I think, probably three or four rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, probably put about 80 people through that training here at Moran. I and was one of them. Shannon was mm-hmm. in one of our classes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and it was great. Like, we saw, it was, again, we paired it with house church, not super formally, but we would try to put those people in the house church. Um, one's up there. Mitch Dupree. Hey, buddy. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Mitch in years. <laughs> Sorry, we're just going to embarrass you. He was in our yeah. early on oh. classes in house church. Um, so, anyway, we did. I know. So good. Um, so those were the early days, and we were just kind of fumbling our way through it, and it was very much trial and error. We would run it, and then we would be like, okay, how did that go? How did people take it? Is it bearing fruit? Are people continuing on? And then we would tweak it, try it again. Um, the thing that we kind of, the wall that we seemed to keep hitting at Moran was that people really wanted an easy on-ramp. It wasn't like, um... I'm not going to really go out of my way to make this happen. And so kind of the last round that we did was we tried to break it into um, as much kind of localized segments as we could. So we did like a neighborhood one, one for moms, one for workplace, one for young adults, young adults, one for missions, families. I mean, we did like really categorical kind of things. And that fell flat on its face. Like I think we had just so, so low attendance in those. And so through all of that, we just kept asking the Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? And kept hearing him say, model it. Like, just keep modeling it. Keep bringing it. Keep bearing the fruit in your own life. And so that's what we did. And we also felt like the Lord said, this, like, you, you can model it and you can be it, but you can't pull them along. So if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. The Lord had given me this picture in like 2017 of us as a staff kind of on two different cliffs. And there was a bunch of us trying to pull people from the church over one side of the cliff to the other. And there was this big chasm between. And it was really hard work, and we were very tired. And then the Lord gave me the second picture where there was just a bunch of different people, same people, but a lot of people, (laughs) um, applying their gifts. And so... As they applied their gifts, people went from one side of the chasm to the other. And it was just this totally different picture of, like, we're not pulling, we're not convincing, we're not, you know, all the things we were doing in the first picture that were striving and exhausting. It was just like, hey, be the body that I always meant for you to be, and this is going to happen. Like, people, Mm -hmm. as you plug into your gifts, as you walk in what I have given you to get to do, people are going to come along. They're going to see it. And don't worry about pulling them. Don't worry about convincing them that this is it because it is. It, it's my church, and I'm, it's my problem, not yours. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually have some pictures, too, of Max, if you wanted to pull up the pictures in the basement. Um, so that's Britain teaching a workshop on hearing the voice of God. 
Um, the next one, that's a workshop on sharing the gospel. And then we have two more. These are those discipleship fundamentals classes in the basement. Margaret Preston, we miss her. Um, and so, um, so we tried a lot of different things. And Neil, I'm wondering if maybe you could kind of talk to inside of Moran Park and outside of Moran Park, just what were some of the problems and the weeds that kind of seemed to surface during those years? Yeah, um, man, I, this, this whole thing I think has been a, a huge journey for us because uh, we've learned a lot along the way and of course you learn through a lot of mistakes. And um, I, I think one of the first mistakes that we made is, I, um, when we came and started really doing this, I think we, we thought initially, okay, what's, what's our metric for success in a lot of this? Mm -hmm. And one of the initial metrics for like me and Britain was sadly, how many, how many simple churches, how many house churches have we started? And so you can go and put people into a house church and pat yourself on the back and be like, look at what we did and just repackage a lot of stuff and really not change anything. Um, I think that was one of our first like weeds. Mm -hmm. um, Thankfully, the Lord's had mercy on us, and he's, like, convicting us that it's not just about that form that's also going to change things. We, we need to change stuff within us. We need to change stuff within our heart. We need to change stuff with how we're walking and making disciples. Mm -hmm. um, the second one actually was a lot harder and probably a lot worse. Um, was in some of our training and our zeal to see people go and become disciples that would make disciples we gave a ton of tools right away. Um, but I think the ways in which that we were passing them on really came across very legalistic. It was like, here's a binder, here's some tools, check this out up here on this whiteboard. Now take this, now go and pass it on to somebody else. In I think a, a part of how that was being shared from myself, from others, how that was being received, it was being received much more in a, in a legalistic sense instead of in like this freedom sense of from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then, hey, here's some tools that can help. There's a nuance there. And I lament like crazy looking back at some of the people that we walked with and, and um some of the seeds that I think we had sown that I think we passed on in poor ways that then were adopted with legalistic practices instead of with an abundance of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I wish, man, um, I'm sorry, I wish uh, we could go back and, and change some of those things that, that we did, some of the, the ways in which we did it, the heart that was behind it, um, and so those are, are some of the, the weeds, mm -hmm. I think, that crept up initially. I praise the Lord that there were people in that time who had grace and mercy upon us as we were learning and passing things on that had every right to just be like, we're done with you, we should move on. And it was actually from some of the people that we had trained who would come back and push back against us that I think a lot of the formation actually took place. Um, and so I praise the Lord for some such as yourself, Shannon, for Mitch up there. That's why I'm, I'm just so excited to see um, from others who I could name that honestly through their feedback, through their pushing back, helped, I think, to really form some stuff that's in a much healthier space now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so for the sake of time, I want to kind of move into the next season, but I don't want to move on without saying that really when we were kind of trying all this stuff out in the Moran Park context, and things were kind of working, but then failing, but then working a little bit, but then failing. The question really became, is anything actually broken? Like, is it even worth it to keep pursuing any of this stuff? And uh, in 2018, that's when the staff here at Moran and the elders kind of almost put the pause on any, even any kind of programming, discipleship programming, and really started to evaluate according to the word, is anything wrong? Do we need to change anything? Um, and if so, what is that that we need to change? And, uh, and out of that, the Lord um, revealed two things. Um, one was he just showed us the foundations of things, right? And so Neil was kind of talking about we had this, like, legalism in the practices, but ultimately the root of it 
might just be repackaging the same weeds. And so Britton actually preached quite extensively on um, foundations during that season. And he talked about naming broken foundations of consumerism, control, celebrity, and comfort. And it was during that time, there was one particular Sunday, we don't have a picture of it, but he kind of drew up on his laptop um, a house church network and a church, and both of them on just this cracked foundation. And he was like, listen, it's not even about transitioning from one form to the other form. We're going to try to hit at these foundations. And so we started pressing into that together as a church. And the other thing that the Lord kind of took us through during that time was just to say, what is the church called to do? Let's go to the Word. Let's make a list. What do we see believers doing when they gather together? And then let's ask ourselves, how can we actually do these things? And so, Max, if you, there's a list that you can put up there. Um, it's not really all that readable, but I, we have copies we can make for you. But this was a list that Britain kind of put together during that time, just going through the Word and asking ourselves, what all are we called to do as a church? What context does this happen in? Um, and it was out of that that the staff and the elders really came to unity and saying, hey, it's not really about form for us, but it is about foundations, and there are things that we're not living into fully together, and we are going to be pressing into that. Um, and so just things like, um, yes, teaching and yes, worship are on there, but so were things like participation and caring for each other and multiplying more disciples and being in unity as brothers and sisters. And so we're like, we're going to press into all these things, not just a few things. Um, so that was kind of 2018, 2019. It was out of that time that then we had to really say, okay, well then what is our discipleship programming, quote unquote, going to look like? And the trainings had not been working really all that well anymore. And it was during that time that the Lord actually put a word on me, um, church planters, house church planters. We had had issues for a few years that things weren't really accessible enough to people. It felt like there was an in crowd and an out crowd. Um, things weren't relational enough. It still felt too programmatic. And so out of that uh, season of really wrestling through what does it mean to be the church and how can we start walking in this together, we developed a team of what we called house church planters that would be available to just relationally walk with the body in developing spiritual family. And um, Max, we even have some photos of, um, well, first there's some baptisms that happened during that time. If you want to scroll back, um, if you guys recognize Nikki Byer, she's in the shadows, but um, getting baptized, and one after that, just, I think, laying hands on. So there were some cool things that were happening during that time with some people that were really laboring hard together. Um, and then the next two photos uh, was a retreat that we had at Britain's mom's house to kind of just pray into the direction of the church and walking relationally with one another in that um, and developing these, these house church planners. And so that was fall of 2019. Well, we all know what happened, right? Uh, spring of, well, not even spring, but... 2020. Um, and if Max, if you could go to the two pink slides. This I found last night. This is cool. These are actually some prayer points that were coming out of a prayer group that Chrissy and Stacy were running together. Um, and these are things that people were praying into right before COVID hit. Um, that we would suffer well, that we would honor each other, that we would wield the sword of the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit. Um, if you want to go to the next one, um, that we would love each other <laughs> and uh, not be easily provoked and um, anyway, so just kind of cool to see the, the prophetic witness, too, and how we were praying even leading up to COVID. But um, then COVID hit in, you know, February 2020, March, whatever, and uh, everything kind of fell apart, right? And so it was during that time, maybe, Stacy, you can kind of speak to what the Lord was revealing in the church out of COVID, what he was kind of speaking over the church during that season, um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So that sticky note is crazy. I remember uh -huh. writing that. Um, but it's so accurate. That's so funny. So early on in COVID, we, um, the elders decided to, that we were not going to meet. And so then it became this quick question of like, okay, so what are we going to do? And um, what is the Lord doing? And what is he showing us in this time? And pretty quickly we felt like our inability to endure suffering and our unwillingness to love at a cost um, just sprouted everywhere. Um, just the kind of everywhere, everywhere. And you know it because you, we all experienced it. Um, but we had done seven months on Acts 2 Church of being the church, and we had done, I don't remember how many months, several, on the one and others, how to love one another, leading up to COVID. So that was kind of what Britain had taught on. 
this is so, you know, we bear with one another. We lay down our lives for one another. We love at a cost. We do all these things. And this is how we are the church. We're devoted. We stick, there's a stick to itness in this, right? And then COVID happened and it was like, peace be with you. <laughs> You're not doing it my way. And so, um, yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, and there was this huge, like, mourning of, like, I think what we knew Moran Park to be, the parts that we even loved and that were bearing fruit, are done and gone. And, and they're gonna, it, there's this huge shift that the Lord is taking us through, and on purpose. It's not like it was an accuracy that led us to this place. It is the Lord's hand that is shifting his church. And do we want what we want, or do we want what he wants? And are we willing to let go of what we want to get what he wants? And those were the questions that just kept coming up again and again. And it was just like, all right, well, if we're going to figure out what he wants, everything has to be laid down. Everything has to be on the table. I don't get to pick my favorites to stay. And you don't get to pick your favorites to stay. And then we decide what goes. Um, everything goes on the table. And so even through that process, that was just really revealing um, to us as leadership and really just the church of like, hey, what are we willing to lay down and not lay down? And what are we willing to sacrifice and not sacrifice? And um, our, our, our own rights on the table. Um, and so, yeah, just, oh man. <laughs> I don't know what all you want me to share about that, but. Well, so the Lord spoke pretty clearly, and Neil could talk to this too from the perspective of just across North America, um, that the Lord used COVID to really reveal things in his church, right? To reveal those broken foundations that he'd already told us were there, were just proved during that time. Um, but then the question kind of became, at Moran Park, there was this whole season of, okay, how do we not go back to what was? And so um, maybe, Stacy, you could talk a little bit to that, what we were naming that we were coming out of and what we were going into. And Max, there's a picture for this one, too, on a notebook. Um, oh, yep. There we oh, there's my journal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You guys all get to read Stacy's <laughs> journal now. Yep. Okay, so, yeah, this was a staff meeting last September, and Britain just really challenged us all. Like, so this was six months into COVID, and we had just started meeting again in July, I think, and so it was just like, all right, what are we picking back up? You can kind of see on the top there, it was, is it all on the altar? Are we willing to let burn what needs to burn and stay what needs to stay? And so that was our question. What is the Lord asking us to truly just kind of let go of in this season and what needs to stay? And so as a staff, we came up with this list of what we are being called out of and what we are being called into. And the, what we were being called into was significantly more costly. Um, yeah, we, I, I shared it a few weeks ago, but there was this, the vision of like the Lord cleaning house, right? Of pulling things out to make space for his spirit to move and breathe and grow fully healthy plants, not ones that are bearing fruit on top, but rotting at the core. And this was that, this was the Lord saying like, listen, I don't want 10% of my body carrying the load for 100%. I don't want a performance. I don't want people to be, feel isolated even though they're in a room of 600, right? Like all these things that just kept coming up. And so it was like, all right, we're going to draw this line in the sand and say, okay, Lord, what is it that you're calling us into then? And that was what came out of that was just like one of the big ones was this facade of fellowship that we had with when, you know, in our I love air quotes, but in our prime of like 800 people in full pews. And we had a facade of fellowship. I, I were, I've been here since the beginning, and I couldn't even have named 150 of those 800 people. I didn't know them. I didn't know what was going on in their lives. I didn't know what they were struggling with. I didn't know anything about them because you can't possibly, right? In a group that large, you just can't possibly function like a family. And so it was just this facade of fellowship that everybody was like, oh, I love Moran. We're so amazing, and everybody loves each other. And then when the stuff hit the fan, it just wasn't true. Like, the love for, you, for one another was not there. And the Lord was like, I have more for you than this. I have more for you than a facade of fellowship. I have true fellowship for you, and it's going to be costly. It's going to cost you. Personally, oh, my word, it cost me. Like, 
just the Lord, because everything that he was doing on a big scale, he was doing personally in each of us too. And so it was like, hey, Moran, you don't love one another. And then he was like, hey, Stacy, you don't love people. And so I need you to go and reconcile with this person that you've been angry at for three years and you've just been under this facade of fellowship with. And that was not fun. <laughs> Humbling to the core. Like, right, you're, you're just like, hey, this, Daniel used to, or does say, he was praying that we would be a church that would be not okay. How do you say it, Daniel? Not okay with being not okay? Yeah. Thank you. I always <laughs> say it wrong. Not okay with not being okay. Yeah. So that if I have an issue with you, I'm not going to pretend like I don't. Just to pretend. Right? I'm going to come to you and I'm going to be like, hey, you said this and it really hurt my feelings. Or, hey, you said this three years ago and it really hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> that's where I was at. Um, <laughs> and work through that. And really, truly be able to walk in fellowship together. And so it was just things like that that the Lord was revealing. And over and over again, I mean, even just for us as leadership and staff, he said, listen, if you're going to ask the body to walk in this, you better be ready to do it yourself. And so he really walked us through that yucky process um, deeply and, and, then, and then turned around and said, now I want you to walk the body through this too. So, mm -hmm. I'm wondering, Neil, if you could even just, and for the sake of time, keep it brief, but um, even to speak to the pulse on what was happening broader in Holland and then even just in, in Michigan and beyond during COVID-2 in the church. Yeah, very, very briefly, um, I, I think what we saw, like you said, in Holland is those who are willing to all of a sudden learn what it truly means to be the church in a simple way, like from house to house, really were thriving because their source of being church or going to church wasn't cut off, but instead now they got to thrive in a really simple context. Um, throughout the context of North America, this was a epidemic, not just in the sense of a disease, but also in the sense of it revealed a ton. I, I get to work with pastors and churches and all sorts of things ac across the United States. And um, the, the, the COVID stuff revealed so much. And I know that people know that here. And what's really sad now, we've talked about this before, you guys maybe have been in discussions, is it feels like instead of us, of us learning from what happened from that, it feels like the church throughout the, the United States is trying to get back to what was. So instead of us learning and adapting and almost being corrected, letting it actually refine us and change our practices and such, it feels like there's such a fight just to get back to what used to be. And that's where I think Moran Park was sig honestly, seriously unique as a witness not only here in Holland or West Michigan, but across the nation, of, of a group of people who are willing to say, our fight is not to get back to what was, but instead our fight is to hear the Lord was saying something and revealed some things. Now let's see that come and refine us and change us and hopefully grow into a deeper meaning of what it truly means to, to be the body. And I will say, like myself, getting to talk with so many of those pastors and churches, of saying, I understand the journey that Moran Park as a church has been on has been hard, it's been messy, it's been not fun. But the ways that you guys have walked has been such a unique, powerful witness in comparison to so much else that um, I've gotten to see and a lot of other people who I, who I work with have gotten to see. So just <laughs> to give you hopefully encouragement and honor in that. It's been hard, but really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, Stacey, that the Lord had put on your heart and Daniel's heart and Britton's heart kind of all at the same time when you were evaluating what are we leaving and what are we going into was to lay down your positions. And I wonder if you could just speak to that too. Um, so just so we know and are encouraged that where we're at now is not an accident. It was purposeful and it was led by the Lord and it was prayerful. Mm -hmm. So you could talk to that. Just barely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... I don't think I will ever forget this moment, but Daniel and Britton and I were all sitting in Britton's office praying about what was next. Well, Britton and I were initially praying, and we felt like we kind of heard from the Lord on it, and I'm like, we need to go grab Daniel. <laughs> and so we ran down and grabbed him, and the three of us just started praying and, like, simultaneously weeping. 
because we knew the Lord was telling us that we were to lay down our positions. And that was hard. Um, I loved my job. Loved my job. And um, I was not ready to hear that. And Daniel was way more ready than I was. <laughs> the Lord had prepared him way more. Um, I was just, like, so caught off guard. I really felt like we kind of all knew that Britton was on this trajectory. He had talked about it. He had talked about it from the front. Like, I had asked the Lord, is it time to leave? And he said, not yet. So we kind of all knew that was coming. But I kind of was like, I haven't heard that. <laughs> you know? I don't. But I did that day. It was just so clear. And the Lord, um, all three of us, we just kind of like, it was just this um, loosening of our grip. And on the church, really, even, because I have been here 13 years, and it is my baby. And I was, it was just very much this, like, Lord, you want me to give away my baby? <laughs> like, I can't do that. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was my baby. <laughs> my bad. Jesus is snarky with me. Um, <laughs> so um, it really was just this realization of, like, this, isn't, this was never yours, Stacey. This was never yours, Britain. Daniel and Stacey, this was always my bride. And again, do you want what I want or do you want what you want? And you want your job. I want a healthy church. And oh, that was so hard. Um, and so that was in, I think, December, January, maybe-ish. And from there, the Lord just clearly gave us each a timeline. And this is when you are to step down. This is how this is to look. And um, I'm really going to raise up other leaders so you don't have to worry about your baby. Um, I've got it, and I'm, I'm going to help my body function as it always should have. And I, there are so many people here. Like I, I say about my prayer team now. Well, okay, so I ran the prayer team for, for a long time, and, um, and now I am a point person for our prayer weekend. And so I call it a prayer team, but that's confusing because it's not the same thing. So it's a point. It's a team, whatever. Um, and so I lead that team, and it's a whole different group of people. All those people have these amazing gifts of prayer, and I never knew. And leadership, too, and teaching. And I, and I meet with this team, and I'm like, holy cow, Lord, you are doing it. You are doing the thing that you said that you would do. You are raising up leaders. You are pulling out all these gifts that we never knew were there because they were lost in the crowd, and they were lost under professionalism. That I was just doing this because it was my job, and I didn't know that there was, like, a million bajillion other people out there, rock stars in it, because they were just taking second row. They were defaulting to the professional, because that's what we've taught them to do. And now the Lord is like, no, 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 this is my Ephesians 4 church. I'm going to equip people to equip people to equip people until you walk in the fullness of what I have for you, which is Christ-likeness, right? And it's totally different. It just feels like a, a whole shift, um, because it, I'm not really doing that much different than I used to. I still meet with all the same people that I used to. I still do a lot of the same things that I did. But I have a full-time job on top of that, and the Lord just leads it. Like, the Lord is just like, hey, he just kind of puts it in my lap. And it's not this formal thing, and I don't have to do it. And it's just a gift, and I just get to walk in my calling in a, in a completely different way, which has just been, like, so cool. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> well... <laughs> But I think that's what the Lord is doing, right? He's raising up the gifts in the body and that we all get to walk in yeah. those in that way. And, and that's how I've been living for the past two plus years mm -hmm. um, is I work a full-time job and I still get to labor in the body. Um, and so I think as we close up here and wrap up here, if both of you would just share a word of encouragement to the body, to the church, um, as we press on. <laughs> um. I think the, the, the word of encouragement is that um, in the word, we, we know that the, the, the best ways of following the Lord aren't always the easiest ways of following the Lord. Uh, all of us in this room probably could give testimony to that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, and we don't always get to see the results we want when we want. If we were out there searching for certain results, we'd use certain means to get those results. Um, I tell people when I get to, to encourage, coach them, disciple them uh, around the U.S. and such, that I, I, don't, I don't do what we're doing now because it works. That's not why I do it. I do it it's because when I read the word, it's what I see. 
And if God brings growth from that, praise his name. He's the one who brings the growth, you know? If our goals were to go and fill up buildings or to do such along those lines, we'd use different practices. Um, and so my encouragement is that as this road continues to, that we continue to walk down it, we make sure that our intentionality of what is success isn't our own perceived success, but it's what we read in here. Um, we have almost like a little proverb that we live into where we just say faithfulness is success. And what we mean by that is we don't get to determine the fruit or the growth that comes from faithfulness. God gets to determine that. But we get the privilege and the honor to walk in faithfulness, even though we do fall short all the time. Don't get me wrong. Um, and so my encouragement is that as a body, um, and I, I, I will say we, because um, we are the family of God collectively together, me with, me with you, is that we would continue not to work towards certain metrics of success, but we would walk towards faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And um, then we would trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would just say that I want you to know the Lord's faithfulness to Moran Park has been great. Mm -hmm. um, just, yeah. We, we had a meeting with the elders, Britton, Daniel, and I. They had asked us to come in and just kind of give us a recap of all of this. And I got to go back through all my old journals and look for just different points with the Lord where he had directed us, and then it happened, and he directed us, and then it happened. Over and over and over and over, his hand has guided us, redirected us, corrected us, moved us. Um, he has been so faithful and kind. Um, and I want you to be encouraged through that because it wasn't us. It wasn't like, oh, you guys are such great leaders. You got us here. And no. <laughs> uh, it was the Lord. It was the Lord's faithfulness to not give up on us. Um, and we, I, I love it when, I don't know who said it. One of the elders said it from the front. I think it was Carol said, you know, we are still just following the Lord, and we so appreciate you coming along with us as we follow the Lord and as we listen and as we let him guide us because we don't know exactly, you know, what this is going to look like, but we do know that the Lord is in it and the Lord is with us and that the Lord is guiding and that he has more for his church, and we want it. We want to love him more. We want to bring him glory. We want to make his name great, not Moran's, and it's just been such a gift to, to walk that all with you and and watch the goodness of the Lord over this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we wrap up, um, just kind of wanted us to take a few minutes just to pray with those around you over the church here at Moran Park and Holland and beyond. So there's going to be some prompts on the screen. Um, but before we do that, Neil's going to kind of segue us into that time um, with a song that the Lord put on his heart a few months ago uh, that comes out, of, uh, comes out of the book of Mark. Yeah, if you want to get that up. Um, and we've been kind of just singing it house to house as we gather for prayer and different things. Um, and so Neil's going to lead us in that this morning. Um, but he's also just going to share the gospel because I recognize the fact that we have spent the past 30 plus minutes talking about our journey of what it means to be the church together. And there might be some of us here today that have never even fully counted the cost and repented of our sins and chosen to follow Jesus. Maybe some of us haven't even heard the gospel presented clearly before. And so um, Neil is going to share the gospel this morning. And I would ask that if the Lord has put it on your heart, um, maybe to make a commitment to repent of your sins and to count the cost and follow Jesus, that you would find one of us today um, or find somebody around you and ask them to pray with you. Um, but this is out of Mark 4. Um, it says, the kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. So let's sing together. There's um, some repetition in this song and such. So if you want to sing along, you're great. If you want to close your eyes and pray, that's completely fine. There's an open field. There's the seed to sow. Here's some water. Come, let's go. Sing that again. 
There's an open field. Here's the seed to sow. Here's some water. Come, let's go. And we will trust you for the growth. We will sleep and we won't know how the seed The plant grows tall, yields its fruit in time. Harvest has arrived. Let's go. As the plant grows tall, yields its fruit in time. Harvest has arrived. Let's go. We will trust. our bodies fade and we're in your gates when we hear you say let's go as our bodies fade and you're in our gates when we hear you say let's go Father, I, I pray and I ask, God, that uh, that would be true, that as we read in Mark 4, that uh, our trust would be in you. Uh, it wouldn't be in any other person, any other thing, but our trust would be in you, God. I pray that you would give us a strength to be diligent, to do what the farmer must do, to go and scatter seed, to water, to, uh, to bring in the harvest when it's time. 
So Jesus, give us, give us strength to be faithful where we need to be faithful and give us the ability to sleep and to trust as we need to sleep and trust. And so God, I pray that that would be true of us. In your name I pray, amen. Um, one really quick thing with that. So uh, um, Shannon asked that I just very briefly encourage us just afresh, just with the gospel. And here's what, um, something that's really unique that I've, I've gotten to see a fair amount is um, people will call up and they'll be like, hey, we hear that you guys are doing house church. I want to do house church too. And I say that to them a lot. You think of us as the house church people, but that's not how we think of ourselves. And then I'll get other people who call up and say, hey, I hear that you guys know how to be disciples and make disciples. Can you teach us how to do that? And they think that that's who we are. And I'm like, yeah, we do that. But the truth is, is that that's not what we're founded in as well. We're founded in the gospel. We're founded in that foundation of Jesus Christ. And I want to say this just as a reminder um, to each and every one of us, that if our hearts are founded in something other than the gospel, we're going to have huge issues no matter what we choose down the road. And so I want there to just be a simple reminder right now that hopefully would penetrate our hearts and our minds because it's from there that we go and we labor faithfully. It's from there that we go and we get to be the priesthood of all believers. It's from there that we get to go and meet from house to house, be faithful. See, all sorts of beautiful things happen, but if we miss that aspect of the gospel truly penetrating, occupying, being the core of who we are, we're going to miss everything. Okay, so just again, that reminder that we ourselves have fallen short of the glory of God, each and every one of us, to the exact same degree that we all deserve his wrath. We honestly do. Each and every one of us deserves separation from God eternally. Okay, we were, it says in the scriptures that we have been and that we have been enemies of God. And yet, while we were sinners, he did, something he did something crazy. He came to this world, and he died for us. He took the weight of us being enemies to him. He took the weight of that upon himself and took the wrath that, quite frankly, we deserved upon his own, his own shoulders. Jesus did that for us. So that we don't have to be eternally separated from him. Instead, that, even, that not even just to come when we die or whatever, but that right now, we can, be, we can not just know him, but we can be his adopted sons and daughters. We can actually be his friend. That while we were the ones spitting in his face, he came to us and, and did the unfathomable, that he would forgive us. What's crazy to me in that is he is God. He created all of us. He knows us. He is our creator. He had every right, every single right to just be done with us. Like, consider that actually. He had every right in whatever way he would have wanted to be done with us. And he chose not to. He's chosen to love us, to enter into covenant with us, to be friends, to be family. And my hope today, for those of you who know that, that that would be fresh in our hearts and minds, because otherwise all the journey that we've been on all the things we've talked about truly are for nothing if that's not permeating, burning at the core of who we are. But if that burns within us, man, let's let that light shine. Let's take those bushel baskets off. Let's go be that lamp on that lampstand. Let's go be that example to our neighbors, to our friends, to our coworkers, to all that. And I could go on and on. But I just want to pray one more time and just ask. Jesus, please, may the truth of you and your work permeate our hearts. I pray against any lukewarmness that would be in us.
I pray against it right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that the love we had at first would be fresh. And I pray even that if there are people here who just, that revelation, that switch hasn't flipped, I ask God, please, that you would meet them and that it would. But God, please, from who you are, from what you've done, I pray. Holy Spirit, fill us up. It's in your name I pray.